Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. Who knew? Who Barbara, knew? Barbara Walters was getting it. Um, she was getting and getting it from someone very famous. Uh, look, it's been said that Barbara Walters enjoyed the company of men of color. <laughs> Say that she did. Um, or as uh, Joy Behar put it on the Sherry Shepard show, um, she loved the brothers <laughs> and. One in particular, this is mind-blowing, but Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor and Ooh, Barbara Walters. What a um, So Sherry told this hilarious story uh, about not only Barbara and Richard, but a couple other guys uh, in <laughs> Barbara's sights, this we'll say. Fantastic. I told Joy that I had run into Paul Mooney, and Paul Mooney has said that he caught Barbara Walters he with Richard Pryor. Ooh. Caught Barbara Walters with Richard, and I was like, and she slept with Richard. Yes, Pryor? that's what Paul Mooney said. Between you and me, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara liked a brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she did. She was going out with a, a black senator. Is this going to be on television? <laughs> <laughs> no, she did. You don't have his picture. No, it's, we don't. No, it's, it's in her book. It's yeah. in her book, yeah. Audition. She was going out with a black senator. Because right. you all always used to say Barbara loved the chocolate man. She she used to love Colin. Uh, Colin uh, Colin Powell was her crush. Loved Colin Powell. Every time Colin Powell came on, Barbara was all the way over here. Well, uh, <laughs> so uh, Sherry said she actually asked Barbara about this. She was scared, but asked her about it. Yeah. Because at the time, this was when Sherry was first on The View. Right. Said she was very nervous being around Barbara. And so um, it doesn't sound like Joy outed Sherry as the source. Um, <laughs> but Barbara did say, that Barbara walked in and, and Joy said, hey, here, just sleeping with a <laughs> Richard with Pryor. Richard Pryor. Um, by the way, the senator they're referring to is Senator Brooke. Yes. I believe Ed, from Edward. Ed, Ed Brooke. Yeah. From Massachusetts, I believe. Edward Brooke. I know. He's. I believe me. I same thing, Harvey. I know. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I thought the same thing when I saw his photo. I was like, "Wait a second. I thought. But no, he actually was just very light skinned I got you. Um, <laughs> again, I, she had a type. Can I just um, tell you? I I loved Barbara Walters during her lifetime. I even love her more now. I mean, it's such a great that's, story. That's the the question I have about this. I can't answer. Between Barbara Walters and Richard Pryor, who does this make seem cooler? Yeah. Like, Barbara Walters hooking up with Richard Pryor is the yeah. coolest thing in the world. Richard yeah. Pryor hooking up with Barbara Walters is also the coolest they're thing in the world. They're both real. They're both so cool. Uh -huh. It really, it's just, but I never would have thought this. Never in a million years. You, when I was a kid watching the, those Barbara Walters specials, I was not thinking that. Did she ever, <laughs> but, did she? Yes. She interviewed him. Yes, 1980, I believe, at least once. She interviewed him, that's Maybe right. Not. So which one of them do you think initiated it? Oh, what a good question. Oh, that's a great question. Who, who proposed it first? Because it seems weird either way, but we can't ask Paul like, Mooney. Hey, he's no she, longer with him either. <laughs> she flirted with him and he got the memo. That's my feeling. <laughs> Well, because the only reason I'm saying that is if they first met in an interview setting like right. this, usually the person being interviewed, especially when that's all in their mind, they're not necessarily making a move. But if she connected to him, 
she might have done something right. where the, he's thinking there's an open. The we will eventually make the and move, but only makes moment, it because if, the door's if been open. That's how it Henry. happened. At what point does Richard Pryor go? I think Barbara Walters is hitting on me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see where this goes. I mean, what an awesome story! I can't believe this was under wraps for so many years. But left this chapter out of her memoir. This, <laughs> I don't know why. Because this is a great story. I mean, well, at the time, maybe she left it out at the time because well, we knew about Senator Brooke, right? And but she had and she admitted that was an affair that happened back in the seventies. But Richard, I'm trying to think when her book came out, and Richard would have passed already. He would he would have already been gone. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, anyway, thank you for the <laughs> thank memory. You, Sherry. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Sherry. Hey, I'm Trey from Atlanta, Georgia. This story is pretty funny because Robert has interviewed so many people, so. We never know what went on or what happened. But the, the thing we keep scooting over, the senator that she was with, she wasn't with him. She had an affair with him. He was married. Right. And I think Barbara was married as well. So she just was with a black man. She had fun with him under, behind closed doors. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We are going to move on. Yes, uh, to some police body cam video of Teresa Judice. Um, and you may think, wait, Teresa Judice didn't get arrested. She didn't. Uh, but she did get pulled over a few months ago in New Jersey, and uh, the police have released this body cam footage, and I, and I think the reason they released it is because of just a few words that Teresa says during the stop. The officer says that he saw her weaving, um, and therefore he pulled, it over, pulled her over. So listen to the interaction and what Teresa offers when he asks for ID. And wait till you hear the explanation from her lawyer. Do you have your license on you? Yes. Yep. So? Well, you keep uh, drifting over to the uh, right side, I noticed. You were going a little slow, going like Sorry. like 55, and then you were drifting over. Um, the navigation on. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, no worries. And then what state is this uh, temp tag? Pennsylvania? I just bought it. Oh, okay, gotcha. My uh, oh, 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 I'm sorry to hear about that. Okay, give me one second, okay? I have, I have, um, family business cards, so. Oh, okay, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, okay. All right, ma'am, it's just going to be a warning, so just uh, make sure you don't try to stay in your lane, okay? No problem. No, no, all good. I, no. You know, I always, my father passed away, and I always drive like that. Well, that's a bad thing. Um, if you're always driving uh, like that. Yeah. But so the family, family business, business cards. Hmm. I don't think there's much uh, disputing what you meant by that, right? <laughs> well, I, was, you would think there isn't, Jason. But. Well, I mean, it seems pretty obviously it's a, it's a reference to a, what a lot of people do, which is to somehow identify to the officer that she's a supporter or a, or a child of a police officer, something along, along those lines, in order to curry favor with the officer. So her lawyer... Um, <laughs> came out with this statement, which we understood was to challenge what the uh, police were saying. I'm not so sure I don't they know succeeded in this. It's almost like he didn't see the video. She says those words, family business card. Well, check card. this, check this so out. So his response. Check this out. There is no family business card. Hmm. That is ridiculous. She said it. No such card exists or has ever existed. She said it. She was referring to a New Jersey State PBA card, Pol Police Benevolence Association, uh, that was given to her by an acquaintance who was a law enforcement officer and issued her the card. So, essentially, the lawyer is saying, yeah, she tried to get out of the ticket. We just mixed up what the card was called. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're I saying. Mean, call it whatever you want. When, you hand, that, card when or... you hand that police benevolent association card to the officer, everybody knows the game, which is, 
I donate to the police fund, cut me a break, officer. Right. That is the except, point. Except that the lawyer basically in the statement said she didn't donate. She was given right. a card by she a didn't friend. didn't even donate. Well, at least according to the lawyer. Right. If, the, I, if he had said, look, she made a donation to the PBA and she has a card. But how did that statement <laughs> do anything for Teresa Judice? Hi, my name is Polly and I'm from Argentina. I think Teresa is trying to take advantage of her privileges of being a celebrity, like many famous people, with uh, bribes by trying to get out of trouble, which I think is pretty petty and awful. Um, and even though her lawyer claims, you know, denies his claims, what's he going to do? He's going to throw her under the bus? Yeah, he's not. And it should be clear, it's not a bribe. I, I, I get why... It's not a bribe. People think of it that way, but it's it's not, and lots of people do it. But you know why they're doing it. Again. Yes. And by the way, you can present the card. doesn't mean that you're going to, depending on what you did. Real quick. They're not going to let you real, out of Real it. quick. You're the lawyer. I'm the client. Right. Why would you release a statement like that? What's the point? Uh, look, Teresa, I'm just trying to change the narrative here. Instead of them talking about, you know, your how you were driving, I want them to instead talk about I don't know what. <laughs> well, Kanye West decided he wanted a day of wellness. Um, he and uh, Ty Dolla Sign decided they were going to get pedicures. Yeah. Um, something goes wrong, though, during this pedicure. And we're going to play the video for you here. It's, I, I'm not really sure what went wrong, but for some reason, <laughs> Kanye just went off in the middle and was like, I'm done. This is it. I'm out of here. We've seen him what a shock. walk off before, <laughs> get really irate, and just walk out. I didn't think it would happen during a pedicure. They know we out here. Ah, whoa. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not going to do the rest of it. I got it. Come on, I'm not going to do it. Oh, it's a, no, it's just the... Oh, no, it's my toes. The, the name, it's my toes. Sorry? It's my toes. Uh, no. I'm not going to do it. That hurt? No, I don't understand. Wrap it up. I'm not going to do it. Uh, okay. Are you going to get hands? Nope. Oh. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. size face is like... That's What is happening? Hysterical. No, no. It's my toes. By the way. It's my toes. Can I just say... That, I mean, you're welcome that we can show you gripping TV like a pedicure. You're welcome. <laughs> no, we need to thank Ty Dolla Sign. He's the one who posted it <laughs> and, then, and then deleted it. But I mean, you, and also that poor woman, because Kanye's been walking around Europe barefoot all summer. So I can't oh, imagine oh, he has the right. nicest oh, feet. Oh, you're right. By the way, and, and, and you could tell that she took some personal offense to him so not he was, wanting to finish it. So what was he saying? That it hurt? He, she, he did say something about that hurt. And it, yeah, he and was saying it hurt, which is a little weird. I uh, got my first pedicure a couple years ago. Love them, but my feet are a little ticklish, so sometimes it's like a little hard to, to stay still. But he seems like it was hurting him, which is a little bizarre. No, Although I actually had one pedicure in my life, and it did hurt. Um, it actually did. I've never gotten another one since. It would really bug me. Which makes no sense because they're so relaxing. They take all the dead skin off your feet and they give you that little calf massage. You didn't like the massage? Uh, I, I, oh, right. I was like in a bad way the whole time. It just drove me kind of crazy. 
Hey guys, what's up? It's Nick LaRocco representing Dirt Sheet Radio out in the Chicagoland area. I am so very sorry for what I'm about to say, but we're all thinking this, right? They just got off on the wrong foot. Ooh. Oh, oh really? Wow. Really? Wow. You're you're upset you didn't think about that. Yeah, you, want, you wanted to say it. In never the, in would the intro. say anything like that. Huh. Um, never. Do you, uh, but wait a minute. So he had to pay, right? I, I, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he paid. But I will say for for the the what do you call them? Artist? The nail pedicure? The pedicurist? pedicurist? Is that what they're called? Uh, uh, nail nail tech. tech, of course. Uh, you know, she probably went into this thinking, oh, this is a big deal for me, right? These are high-level clients that you want to have re repeat business with, and then the guy just walks out. So it's very disappointing for her, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and plus okay. her Okay, face. enough pedicure maybe. Yes. Uh, we are going to move on. <laughs> Moving on to Sierra and Future. And uh, the status of their relationship, as you know, they share uh, a son, Future Junior, but Sierra is now very happily married to Russell Wilson, but uh, she was doing an interview with The Shade Room, and the interviewer decided to ask, um, what is going on as far as co-parenting with you in future, with your son, who is now nine years old, and... He's nine? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. We've been around for a long time, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Future Junior is now nine years old. Um, but um, Sierra says a lot here. With few words. With very, in fact... No words. Almost no words, but says a lot. What is uh, co-parenting like for you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Timmy, you're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> I guess we can the move on because we figured it the out. The only right? words were for the interviewer, Tembi, said, uh, you're awesome. And, and that's, <laughs> that's all. Wow. Got, everything else is just laughter. We should explain. I so, mean, we should just, it's in not, case you don't know the backstory, that Sierra and Future had a child, uh, Future Junior, and, um, and they, they split, split up. up. And then Russell Wilson came into the picture, and Future and Russell Wilson. Uh, well, Future was really upset with Russell Wilson because he felt that Russell Wilson was taking his place as the dad. Right, because there were videos with Russell playing with Future Jr., throwing the football around with him. And Future Jr. calling Russell dad. Right, and so Future was bent out of shape. And in fact, just a couple months ago, uh, on a song that he uh, featured on, he mentioned Russell and said some out-of-pocket things. The line, Charles, is, I got it out the field. Russell. So it was ah, not very yeah. nice. Uh, but as you guys have already mentioned, by Sierra laughing, it says a lot. We all know that the co-parenting relationship between uh, Future and Sierra has not always been the best, hence why, you know, there was all that tension between them about the whole Russell Wilson stepping in into the place. I don't know their custody agreement. However, if little Future is around Russell Wilson all of the time, 24-7, it makes sense of why that bond would be there. Um, but by her taking the high road and just laughing it off and not stooping down to Future's I don't level. Know. That's taking the high road. Really? Because she didn't say anything and she could have went mm. full attack mode and stuck up like a mama bear for her baby. Oh, Nikki, my point words. is laughing for almost 40 seconds straight. <laughs> that is saying a lot. And I just don't know. And I'm not even saying she's wrong to do it, but I don't know if that's the high road. 
because you are saying a lot. Hey, what's up? Somebody here from Detroit. Laughing says a lot more, so I just, you know, wish her the best and continue to be co-parenting in the best way that she can uh, and continue to be successful because she's doing her very big one right now, and that's all we need from her. Continue to keep the positive energy to you, Sierra. That's it. You know, I'm a big fan, so wish her all the best and love. So, yeah. Well, I, it, it feels like people are on Sierra's side on this, I will say. <laughs> Selena Gomez went out to dinner and ended up driving right over <laughs> poor Shannon Sharp. She didn't literally drive over, that's why I'm laughing. Uh, I mean that metaphorically. So we haven't seen one of these situations while we- But we've seen it before. We've seen it before, it does happen. So, so this is at Giorgio Baldi, which right. is a very fancy schmancy Italian restaurant in Santa Monica. Um, lots of stars go there, Rihanna's there every other night. Right, and lots of uh, paparazzi go there. So. Shannon Sharp walks out of Giorgio Baldi and starts talking to one of the photographers there, um, having a really good conversation. Have you ever heard that thing about uh, a bigger name came by? Watch this. Hey, so what you're taking me, you think uh, that we gotta send some real boys over there to beat these boys in FIBA? Because- uh, Yeah, man, we, got, I yeah. Mean, we can no longer Hold send- Hold on one second. <laughs> Apologize about that, Shane. Nah, bro, you good, bro. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, because because cause them boys overseas, I think they, they put that big physicality on them. Nah, bro, I mean, we, I mean. Dude, Shannon Sharp, so I'm laughing hard because Shannon knows what just happened, and he realizes the guy has now come back to him, and it's like, he doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be mean to him. But on the other hand, you could say, oh, well, why don't you try to get another Selena Gomez? Yeah, Shannon Sharp <laughs> should not have talked to this guy. He should have said, no, go talk to Selena Gomez. Shannon Sharp is a, is a Hall of Famer. He won three Super Bowls. He's on TV every day. I will say, the camera guy was was polite. He said, oh, hang on one second. It's, <laughs> it's so funny. It's just just, this is the epitome of Los Angeles in a soundbite, yes, by the way. Totally. That's this is, Harvey, how many times have you said the reason that you hate these big celebrity parties is that you feel like everybody looks over their shoulder and looking, looking, looking over your shoulder going, oh, he's a bigger person. One, and that's the way Hollywood works. I, I'm sorry for saying that, but it is one of the bad things yeah. that it really is, is looking for a bigger name. The problem here is, and we've dealt, dealt with that a lot, with, sure. you know, over the years, is that sometimes you may be doing an interview with somebody and then somebody else walks by and it, it is a bigger name, but if that person is not, not gonna, gonna talk, talk and right. you know it, don't move. Right. You can, you, you got the shot of her. Great. You got but, the, Shannon's you, actually talking you, to you. You know, the move, the move would have been to try to get Shannon to talk like, hey, uh, Shannon, talk look, to, there's talk, Selena, talk to Selena And, and then get you them. get the conversation going. Yeah, and then it's an even better clip. Now you got both of them in there. Right. But I don't know if Shannon was gonna. Let's make a note of that. <laughs> My name is Nandi from West Virginia. My thoughts on this is I feel like they disrespected him. If I were him, I wouldn't even go back and do the interview. I'd just walk away. The camera guy really handled it well. He really did handle it well. He walked back and he apologized. Yeah, he Shannon. apologized like, oh, no, and kept okay. it going. So he got both. I mean, you got to give him credit, right? He did get both. You got to get. You got to give. Him he credit. did. Uh, we're gonna Sorry, move on, Shannon. To something much lighter, <laughs> uh, Ed Sheeran's experience with Snoop Dogg. He had a bake sale. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how much of a sale it was. There was no discount. He got every bit <laughs> as high as uh, Snoop probably wanted him to. 
So Ed opened up about this. He was on Conan O'Brien's podcast and described that moment. By the way, you had a moment like this when you met uh, Willie Nelson. No, I didn't. Willie Nelson, on, on 420, I interviewed Willie Nelson for Objectify. Right. And he didn't offer me anything. I know, but you had the moment where you felt like you had I thought smoke. I was going to get something, but he offered me And he nothing. offered you nothing. He's like, this guy is where we are not giving him anything. But Ed Sheeran <laughs> did not get that experience. Snoop happily obliged, handed him a joint, and then this is what happened. I've sort of got quite close friends with um, Russell Crowe over the years, and he's yeah. really close with Snoop Dogg. I don't really smoke at all. And I was in, I was in the dressing room, and they're just, you know, blunt for blunt for blunt for blunt. And I'm like, I guess at some point during the night, I, I have to just to be like, I smoke with Snoop Dogg. I had a good amount of conversation, so I have a bit, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel too bad. Like, this is good. And then I have a bit more. Then I have a bit more. Then I have a bit more. <laughs> oh, my God. Was, I just remember looking at him being like, I can't see right now. I've got to <laughs> So I would think that Snoop has some pretty powerful stuff. And when you smoke, and, and when you're like a novice like that, you smoke and you don't immediately feel anything. So you say, oh, I'll just take some more. It, it, it's <laughs> funny, you guys, because you guys remember when Snoop Dogg first became friends with Martha Stewart and they started to do like the, the, the weed brownies and all yeah. the things that they were cooking. Well, there was an interesting fact that actually uh, when Snoop Dogg is actually making music or on a normal day, he can smoke between 15 to 25 blunts. So I'm pretty sure those are probably strong as well. Yes. And also uh, the person who got Snoop Dogg the highest was actually Willie Nelson when they were playing dominoes one time. So I think he's just trying to pay it forward and be one of those people who's getting these artists the highest. See what could have been. See what could have been. I know. You could have like had the Snoop experience with Willie. Well, on the on the objectified front, I will say I also interviewed Martha Stewart for another episode, and, and I asked her. Really got blamed. Well, no, 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 and I <laughs> I asked her about it. She 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 did not partake with Snoop. She does not like pot, and she oh, she only does the brownies. I I don't know that she ate the brownies. She said I don't do that. She was very clear to me. I know Snoop has called her the secondhand queen, so maybe it's just she's getting oh, high off of yeah, him exactly. around her. Exactly. Hey, this is Dario from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's kind of not surprising that Ed Sheeran was so high. I mean, Snoop Dogg is one of the top people you think about when it comes to weed and smoking. So, of course, you know, he was just over overly high at the time. So it's, it's not a surprise. Snoop Dogg's one number one smokers in the rap game right now. God, now you pissed me off on this Willie Nelson thing, damn. Uh, <laughs> missed okay. opportunity. Okay, man. we are going to do Well, Jesse would have been... It would have been cool. A memory. Just like right? Ed Sheeran. Right. Yeah. Would have been cool. Uh, we're taking a break. All right. When we come back, who killed JFK? The question that still is not answered after 60 years. And no less an authority than Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien. Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien teamed up for a new podcast that is delving into this. And they have dug up some new information. And they are going to answer, I think, questions that you've grown up with, Harvey. Oh, yeah. They're going to be with us when we come back. Welcome back to TMZ Live. I think this is the probably the question that has gone through your head more over the last 60 years than any other question. I imagine that you think this at least once a day. The question is, who killed, who killed JFK? Kenny. Absolutely. Right. Um, and that is the title of a new podcast for the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. And it is amazing to think that 60 years later, there are still so many questions, and a lot of people feel that question has not been answered. Two of those people, 
who are exploring the truth about what happened that day in Dallas uh, are Soledad O'Brien, who we've had on the show many times, um, and Rob Reiner, who we have not had on the show, but uh, we are really excited to talk to them about this podcast. It is a, a weekly podcast, 10-part series, and there is new information still coming out about this, and they are digging deep into it. So without further ado, we welcome Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien uh, to TMZ Live. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, thanks for, thanks for yeah, having thanks us. For, yeah, thank you. It is a, an honor. And honestly, I, I'm so excited to talk to you guys. It's something I have been obsessed with for many, many years. So look, there have been a lot of theories that Oswald did it alone, that the CIA was involved because the CIA was pissed off that Kennedy was trying to dismantle it. There are theories about the Fair Play for Cuba um, movement that Oswald was associated with. Um, there are other theories as well. Are you guys, are, have you gravitated to any one of these in your podcast? Yeah, well, I think what we do, and, you know, this has been an obsession of mine, uh, you know, for 60 years. I was 16 when it happened. And what I have learned over the course of 60 years and reading everything I could get my hands on, talking to forensic experts, visiting Dealey Plaza, doing as much studying as I could, I have now, it, in my mind, put together what I think happened on that day based on all the evidence that, that has been made available. And I'm really fortunate that Soledad was willing to do this with me because uh, it, it deserves, people have a right to know what happened that day. And I think when they listen to this podcast over the 10 weeks uh, that we that we have, they will get the sense of exactly what happened. I am 100% sure that it was a conspiracy. But in the podcast, we lay out very specifically how it was done, who was involved, who the shooters were, where they were positioned, and we get into all of that. So, who, who, so right uh, away, so right, right, right the off the bat, you said you said shooters. You said shooters. So that first thing you said, so have to wait for details. You have <laughs> well, but, to wait. No, we will but, not but, give it away. But wait a minute, but you're identifying actual individuals who you say Naming were involved. Names. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think there's two sets of people, right? There's people like you, Harvey, and Rob, who are obsessed with this. And I was born after the assassination. Everything I know, I learned in high school, basically, right? Lee Harvey Oswald, lone gunman, you know, single bullet theory, done and done. And so I'm so interested in, like, one, the obsession and why. Why have we not gotten all that information over 60 years? And then also, what happened to Americans who, I think, for you guys who are obsessed, it's moment that really changed how you believed in the honesty of the American government and things like that. And it did happen at a time when Kennedy was moving away as a cold warrior to a posture of peace and wanting to find a way to have peace in the world. He was talking about moving us out of Vietnam. He was back channeling to Khrushchev and Castro and trying to create a peaceful world. And then the next thing you know, he's assassinated. Uh, uh, Johnson takes over and we go full bore into Vietnam. So people of my age were saying, well, wait a minute, what what happened here? Uh, and it created a tremendous divide in the country, which we have not recovered from since. Rob, you, you gave away something for me. 
Um, I, 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 the way you just described this, I am fascinated because you're talking about the military industrial complex right now. We're talking, you know, when you when you see the podcast, we're not talking about the uh, the total institution of that. We're talking about rogue elements of uh, CIA, of hardliners in the military. These are the people that were very upset with Kennedy for selling, uh, in their mind, selling us out at the Bay of Pigs and then selling us out during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 62. They felt that he was appeasing uh, the communists. And so they were very upset. So there were elements of uh, the hardliners in the military and the CIA that played a role, but uh, we wouldn't say it was done uh, as an institutional uh, uh, operation. We wanted to explore specific individuals. You know, who were they? What were their motivations? What were their philosophies? Why, in some cases, were they given leadership positions when they had been, in fact, fired? by President Kennedy. Like, so much doesn't make sense for individual backstories and being able to connect those dots, both for people who are obsessed with what happened and for people who feel like, yeah, I, I kind of know that story. Why are we still talking about it 60 years later? I think we're able to really lay out the story with a lot of clarity while also really underscoring the mystery that still exists. We understand the, the concept of a good promo and teasing something. So you're not going to name the names here. But it sounds like, can we at least say that you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy? He was involved, but he was basically a sacrificial lamb. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, that, that, that is what we believe. I mean, he did say it. He said, I'm a patsy. And somebody who says they're a patsy, uh, it, it indicates something. You're not saying, I didn't do it. I don't right. know. I, you're saying, I'm a patsy. That means that's a very specific thing you're saying. So he knew, Oswald knew that he was part of something. And he, like many of these operations, we've talked to many CIA uh, agents who tell us how these things are done. It's on a need-to-know basis. Nobody, it's very uh, compartmentalized. So Oswald did play a role. And if you asked him on the day what his what was going to go down, he probably wouldn't be able to tell you. You touched <laughs> on something, though, uh, about the fascination, why the national fascination with this 60 years later, um, and the fact that it, this was perhaps the beginning for a lot of people of distrusting the government. And I don't know if you guys get into this or if you explore this, but is there a line from the assassination of Kennedy to where we are today in the divide in the country and millions and millions of people who distrust, tens of millions of people who distrust the government and don't believe what they hear coming out of DC? Yeah, we, made a, we make a direct line from that. We talk about this specifically as the moment, it, you know, the greatest divide in America obviously was the Civil War. We actually took up arms against each other. But the great political divide started in the 60s when we were lied to, essentially, uh, by the government in the Warren Commission and also in the Gulf of Tonkin uh, resolution right. and how we got into Vietnam. So it began that divide and we haven't uh, come together since. So when the Warren Commission was established, I mean, we are talking about the Chief Justice of the United States of America running this commission. 
but at the behest of Lyndon Johnson. And, you know, listening to what you said a little bit earlier, the Warren Commission ignored certain witnesses. It was clear they wanted to reach the conclusion they reached. I mean, that, I have, oh, I'm so clear on that. Are you finding evidence, or did you find evidence, that Lyndon Johnson had some involvement, whether it's pre or post? Um, because clearly, you know, I remember when he got it, the first thing he said is, boy, this is heavy. And I thought, wow, yeah. that's, that's yeah. high praise. And, right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, Lyndon Johnson and Earl Warren, they had to be somehow involved in suppressing so much of the information and guiding it the way they wanted. Yes, what you, and, the, and the, the answer to that is Lyndon Johnson did play a role, and we do have evidence. We play it on the podcast. He, ha he had a role in covering this thing up and making sure that we didn't get too far into the weeds of how this happened. There, We have conversations with uh, J. Edgar Hoover that you hear where they talk about putting Alan Dulles as the gatekeeper to the CIA on the commission that he and they talk about limiting uh, investigations that, you know, now that this happened, uh, the, the House and the Senate are going to control. They're going to want to have investigations. We have to contain it. We have to make sure there's also a very famous uh, memo from Nicholas Kazenbach, who was the uh, deputy attorney general, talking about how we have to convince the public that Lee Harvey Oswald did this. We cannot uh, we cannot uh, uh, let them doubt that at all. So there's a, a lot of effort put put into uh, containing this and covering this up. So uh, putting Alan Dulles as the gatekeeper, nothing from the CIA and the connection from the CIA to Oswald ever came out uh, during the Warren Commission. And over the years, we found out tons and tons of connections between the CIA and Lee Harvey Oswald. And that's come out over the past 60 years. I think our goal was to really connect the dots, you know, so that people could say, what specifically did the new president say? How does he connect to other people? Why Alan Dulles, who'd been fired by the president? I mean, of all the people you would pick to lead an investigation into the assassination of the president, he almost would be at the bottom of the list. And so constantly connecting sort of the dots and highlighting some of the things that just make no sense. This is so fascinating. I'm just curious, how long did you guys work on this? Uh, well, I mean, we worked on a it a long, long time, a long, long time. You know, it's 10 episodes and uh, we have two bonus episodes after that. But this is something that I've been, you know, at for, you know, 60 years. I was yeah. 16 when I heard it. And, you know, I've been thinking about it for 60 years. Uh, it is um, absolutely fascinating. Who killed JFK? I, I, um, I, I just got to tell you something. I, I'm kind of upset because I got so obsessed with this. I, it, it feels like the godfather to me just when I thought I was out. You pulled me back in, and I just like, oh, my God. You're welcome. Uh, well, new episodes out every Wednesday, 10 episodes. Plus, how, how do you get the two bonus episodes, by the way, Rob? Do we need to? Well, we, have, we have other, you know, we have, uh, you know, extra material, and one of them is uh, this guy, Paul Landis. You will hear about him, who is a Secret Service agent who was in the trail car behind Kennedy. He tells his story. Thank you so much for being with us, and uh, Thanks, congratulations guys. on putting this all together. No, no small feat, I'm sure. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us, yeah. 
So Chris Pratt. Uh, My has, favorite story of the day. Yes, uh, and I know why it's your favorite story of the day, uh, but Chris Pratt has sparked a bit of a debate about your childhood trophies. And the reason this came up for him uh, is because, turns out, Maria Shriver has been holding on to every single award, trophy, blue ribbon, uh, that Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt. But we're not talking about like her winning an Emmy for something or, no, you know, getting childhood. a like Phi Beta Kappa. Two. There are trophies when she most, was two. Most improved swimmer, swimmer. at two. <laughs> uh, she has all of them and they broke them out recently. Katherine took some photos with them. And Chris's point in bringing this up was he, he actually uh, thanked Maria Shriver for holding on to all of them. And he said it was a nice moment where... And then he brought, you know, a, then he brought a hefty bag in. He's like, all right, now let's get these things out of here. He, he didn't actually do that, but he asked the question, now that we've looked at them, we've taken some photos with them, how long do you need to keep these things? Can we just get rid of them? Forever you keep them. I'm trying to see what the poll is. Oh, oh Mr. High School. Can we put a poll school. up on the website? It's 75% you keep them. So three out of four people say you should keep them. I, I can't even believe that this was a topic. I was shocked when uh, when we posted the story. I ha And I'm older than Catherine. If I go to my childhood bedroom in Jersey, I have all of my many, many trophies up there. Like, uh -huh. many can we get a Can we trophies. get a photo of those many, many trophies? Yes. Can you have your mom just take I a photo right now? I am going to text my mom right now. I, I literally I do. I have so, I have so Wait many. Wait a minute. Can I, can, I, can I ask you a more fundamental mm -hmm. question? Yeah. Your mom kept your high school bedroom intact? <laughs> It's a bit of a shrine. I mean, why? There's no one else. There's no one, you know, there's no one else. She's yeah, turned into a den It's the or same exact way. Like, I still got things hidden under the mattress. Oh I mean, it's, it's yeah, like. Don't tell her to go under there. Don't tell her to go under the there. Uh, but everybody does run into this at some point where you, can I, can I tell you you run into memorabilia. What I, do you do with I, it? I got a storage locker, okay? I know you as, do. As you as have all of your trophies. Well, no, but what I'm saying is that, yeah, I dumped everything in the storage locker. I, but you still have it, though. But I never go to that storage locker. But the locker. point is you still have it. But I never look at it. So why do I but have you're it? Acting, right, exactly. So you're, you're in the 75%. You're part of those people who no, say, no, no, keep no, everything. I'm just lazy that I don't want to go through and start throwing that crap. Give me the key. No, but I, I'm, Give me really, the key. I'm really serious. If Believe you, me, if you take never, it all out. If you never look at the stuff, and I'm not saying you don't keep like the real memorable stuff, but if you don't, if you keep everything and then you just throw it in a storage locker, what's the point? Here's the easier way. You don't have to deal with this. Just don't overachieve as a child. Oh, what a good, just see, just kind of be middling. We, we don't have, have to, we have answers. There you go. My name is Nelson from Amish country, Pennsylvania. Listen, I have a six-year-old daughter myself. I, if you win like a state championship or something, I'll keep the trophy. And But if it's just some, you won a spelling bee in, in third grade. Right. That's exactly Those the gotta point. Those got to go. Those got to go. That is exactly you the know, point. You know, he raises a good point. I did win a spelling bee in third, fourth, and fifth grade. We didn't get any trophies, though. I'll tell you who there didn't were, win a spelling bee, there Charles. Were no, can I yeah. say? There's <laughs> definitely no spelling bee trophy <laughs> okay. in your story. One of you has won a Not spelling bee. Not a single one. I, I'm a I actually wasn't a spelling bee, okay? Oh, you, you were did, out real quick. Did not win. But did you I'm, yell to Charles? Charles, how do you spell? By the way, by the way, you're one to talk. Your bedroom is intact from high school. I would not go out on a limb here, bud. Uh, okay. I'm clean. I'm clean. <laughs> Ben Affleck loves 
a burger. I did not know this about him. You can just burger tell. in particular. Um, but he had a little lunch break in his car. He looks it's like... It's almost like he's meditating before... It no, it looks like sex. <laughs> it does. I mean, this guy is just enamored by this jack-in-the-box I'd love burger. to know what kind of burger it I know, was. I do what too. kind of burger I was that? I don't know. So he did eat the burger. Um, we didn't realize at first is that he was illegally parked, apparently, while eating said burger. And, and the police, and the police, Santa Monica came, police came over like, you got to move, buddy. Can you imagine if the cop looks down and recognizes him and it's like, wait a minute, Ben Affleck's eating a Jack in the Box burger. What's, what's interesting? It's like, do I want to ask him about Jack in the Box? Do you want to ask him about J-Lo? He looked at it. I'm just glad he wasn't driving when he was eating the burger because he has a hard time with two hands on the wheel. I'm hungry now. Uh, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. Well, he has gotten a few accidents. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.